The Pat Kenny Show on News Talk with Matter Private Network. During current restrictions, don't ignore your health concerns. Our expert team is ready to help. Well, now we're joined from Republic of Work in Cork by Professor Luke O'Neill, Professor of Biochemistry at Trinity College Dublin. Luke, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Now, you've a number of topics today, and uh, first of all, we've got real-world studies on boosters, which tell us what? We do, Pat. I mean, as we've discussed before, the date on the boosters just gets more and more sort of prominent. And the UK have just issued a great study showing that the third shot after AstraZeneca or Pfizer as your first two shots restores protection back to normal. And it goes higher, in fact, than after the two shots, which is a striking thing. So that's a really good sign. And I think more importantly about those Israel, because this morning, again, I've just looked this up. Great Israeli data. The four million people are now boosted and they've broken the fourth surge, they're calling it, with the booster campaign effectively, because case numbers have fallen from 6,000 a day down to 94 in the recent analysis, 44 deaths down to seven. So clearly the boosters are protecting there and stopping the case numbers. So in a way, you can now configure the booster campaign as a way to stop this surge. Hence the need for, in Ireland, of course, we, as we're all discussing, to yeah. get the boosters out as quickly as we can. Yeah, because I was pointing out that we're actually in a very good position because we, we can preview the future with Israel. We just look at them. We're a few weeks behind them. Just if it's working for them, do what they do. Yeah, they began in August, remember, and, and 4 million boosted is the Tel Hajamir is the name of the uh, research centre that's examining this and they're very reputable, you know, so all that, all that data is highly reliable in a sense, but exactly right. I mean, they've done it. We need to follow suit as quickly as we can. And, and the, the good news is, Pat, that data says it will work. Uh, you need, of course, after you've had your third shot, it takes about seven days to kick in, right, on average it looks like, and then off you go, you're protected. The, the UK study, Pat's important, they looked at the blood of the people who were boosted and they got really strong antibody response in the blood the antibodies are really sort of superbly effective against the virus. So again, all the science is is so compelling now that the booster campaign is the thing to do. Can I ask you about uh, waning booster potency? Do we know anything about that yet or is it too soon? There's good news there as well. So the Israelis are looking at the immune system after boosting and they can tell that the antibodies are so strong they'll protect you for 10 to 12 months at a minimum, they're saying now, right? Now, again, we don't know because we've got to wait as the months go by. So a couple of caveats. But if that holds up, and it's probably true, it becomes like the flu vaccine every winter, the vulnerable and the older will be given a COVID vaccine, as we have predicted anyway, we knew this. But now the data would suggest you should get about a year's protection after your third shot, you see. And then, Pat, what that means, again, as we've said before, this is now a three-shot vaccine, effectively. So, And, of course, remember, we couldn't have predicted this at the start because it was a new vaccine. Other vaccines get modified based on data, historically. Sometimes you need three instead of two and so on. This is just like that. And now we're using that science to inform what we should do. There is new science on long COVID as well. Uh, where is it coming from and what do we know? There is. Yeah, this struck me because I get a lot of questions about long COVID through emails and I'm very always very happy to try and reassure people and discuss it. It's a very important thing, as we know. And the big question is, can it be treated and so on? Really strong study in The Lancet again on long COVID. They examined uh, 8,000 people very closely, took blood samples from them. It's called DigiHero. It's a strange name. A lot of digital electronic uh, information off these patients. And what's very important is they've found three markers for long COVID now. And they're called IL-1, IL-6 and T 
DNF. I know they're a bit of a mouthful. This is what I work on in my lab, so I'm very familiar with them. This is called this is being called the triad now. If you have those three, they're called cytokines. Those three are connecting into long COVID, and it looks as if Pat, as if when you have an infection, it triggers production of these three things in your body, and there's a feedback loop. They keep going, you know, they keep feeding back and driving more of them. Is the idea here? Now, this is useful because you can now measure them and see if if someone is how sick someone is. More importantly, they'll, they'll now target them. There's drugs that can block these. You see already there. So again, this Lancet piece is concluding there's a chance now, or at least the obvious conclusion from it would be there's a chance now to treat long COVID by blocking this triad and the drugs there to do it. So it's seen as a, as a significant step. And remember I was saying about huge research into long COVID is happening because it's so common. And now we're beginning to see the first indications of possibly, a again, a kind of a therapeutic approach to it. Now, Air filtration, you know, we're told ventilation, ventilation, ventilation in a school that might mean opening the windows as much as possible. And they have that um, solitary CO2 monitor to try to tell them when the air quality is disimproving. But where you can install air, air filtration, what have we learned? Well, this is another important one, Pat, as we've discussed before. You see, filtration is a much better strategy than, say, closing nightclubs <laughs> to stop this damn virus, you see. And yet, we seem to be slightly behind the curve. I know ventilation is in, in place in some places, but again, the evidence grows and grows and grows, Pat. This is an airborne disease. If it was waterborne, you'd clean the water, wouldn't you? Now that it's airborne, clean the air. And now there's these air filtration devices. And a really good study from Addenbrooks in Cambridge, they installed these air filtration devices in what are called surge wards. So what's happening there, but is there, in, in, in the UK, the ICU is filling up, and, and this is our fear here, and they put patients in a separate ward, and that mightn't be as good as the ICU ward. So they're cleaning the air in those wards, and then they're measuring the virus. And installing these filtration devices, they could detect no virus in that room, Pat. Now, it exchanges the air every uh, five to ten times an hour, mind you, so they're very high throughput, obviously. But still, you can clean the air in a room, get rid of the virus, and in the case of a, a surge ward with, with very sick people, this is extremely useful, obviously. So again, evidence that not just opening the window, but you can actually install an air, air cleansing, a bit like on airplanes, I suppose. They've got HEPA filters and UV, actually. They're quite, they're quite elaborate. But still, this is another fantastic thing to try, isn't it? To put these yeah. air cleaning units in, in places where there's high risk. Yeah. Now, do we know, like, are these highly sophisticated uh, filters or could people buy them off the shelf? Uh, and install yeah. them in, in classrooms or whatever. Because I, you, you've seen the ones we have in the News Talk studio, about um, two feet in height, about 15 inches in uh, section square. Yeah. And um, they draw the air in and they uh, filter it and kill it, all known bugs, etc., etc. Is it that kind of thing they're using in the hospitals it or is. are they yep. much more expensive? They're slightly more sophisticated because they've got a hospital grade air filtration units, you know. But any kind of filtration will have an effect, remember. It'll lower things anyway. This got to zero, which is a great result, obviously, you know. But any filtration system will benefit the, the room, you know, and help to clean the air. So I suspect what we need there, Pat, is um, clear guidelines. It's a bit like the antigen testing. In other words, these are the filters to use. Now, I, I, they can't be that expensive. These HEPA filters aren't especially expensive in devices, you see. So, so again, I'd like to see more guidance from our engineering. I'm sure they're doing it, by the way. This is the filter to use in your room and wouldn't it be great Pat if we had one of these in each classroom in Ireland or wherever you know sure. yet another weapon um, to use against the virus One of our local restaurants in Glasthul Rassam has two uh, significant filters operating the restaurant um, and it's very impressive and then when they close down for the evening before they leave they switch on an ozone generator which cleans everything overnight 
and it's exactly. uh, switched off and the ozone is cleared by the time the staff resume the next day. Yeah. It's a fantastic thing. It's it shows the effort yeah. that people are going to to make their patrons feel safe yeah. and, to, and to stay in business. That's right. And the Addenbrooke study, Pat, they could sample the air you see and maybe we could add that onto it. Now, you can take an air sample and measure is the virus in the air to make sure your filter is working, I guess, you know. And that's what that study was telling us. In other words, it's possible to install the filtration device and then they show scientifically it's working, which is great. So I, I see us move. We have, we have to move in this direction because opening the window is not feasible and people won't. But if you install an air filtration system instead, that's, that could be just as good as opening the window. Uh, some of the texts coming in uh, Hi Pat Before we follow Israel's booster programme We need to form a committee And then do a pilot test And then the third step is to dither yeah, <laughs> Maybe wait May, and see <laughs> The winter will be over What happens in the UK and the rest of Europe And then we might do something um, I'm due my flu jab Friday Will that delay my booster Which is also due soon That's from Kevin no, it shouldn't. You can take multiple vaccines, as we know. There's no, no worry about taking more than one vaccine to different pathogens. That's fine. So if, if I was Kevin, I'd get the booster at the same time. It's more convenient to get them at the same time. I'd press for that. Yeah, and it, it, I mean, your system is used to kind of reacting to all sorts of things that yeah. come in to yeah. attack it. So exactly. uh, it shouldn't overload you. Um, I would consider going for a booster, says John, uh, during this pandemic. However, I don't wish to be going back for boosters every year. Please ask Luke, is there any way that this pandemic can be brought to an end in terms oh, yeah. of living restrictions? We're not much further on than we were this time last year, says John. No, I'm happy to answer that, Pat. The, the vista will be this. It'll be like flu. Uh, the vulnerable and older people will be advised to get the COVID vaccine every winter. That'll be the situation as we have with flu because the other weapon we have are the antivirals and we should never underestimate those because they will be available, I'd say, February next year. These kill the virus. You take a tablet, you kill the virus. Now, that, we need to wait, of course, to see a bit more data, but if that all holds up, that's the other great weapon to use. So, in other words, if you're younger, you might take an antiviral. You don't. We don't need to be vaccinating everybody every winter. It just has to be the vulnerable categories, really. I saw some speculation that these drugs from Merck and Pfizer were not really original drugs at all, that they, they've already been well tested on other conditions and therefore should be cheap and easy to make and yeah. uh, widely available. Yeah. Um, That's right. story the Merck saw, was, uh, yeah. uh, The story I saw about fluvoxamine, which is a, a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. I don't know what that is, That's but right. you do. Yeah. Uh, what did yeah. you think of that story? Yeah, I saw that. That's really interesting. Yeah, this is an antidepressant. It's Prozac, actually, Pat, is one of them. People have heard of Prozac. That's in the same category as the, as the drug you mentioned, Fluoxamine. So it, these are antidepressants, and they've noticed people on them have a much lower death rate from COVID, you see, and that was kind of just an observational thing. But it seems to be holding up. If you're on those antidepressants, you have a 28% decreased risk of severe disease and death. Now, again, it's, it's a somewhat smallish study, but it's, it was in the JAMA, a very eminent journal, so it looks pretty pretty robust. But what it means is these drugs are also able, just through luck really, Pat, to be anti-inflammatory, we think, by the way. They're able to suppress inflammation in your lungs. So as well as being antidepressant, they have a second property, if you like, which is yeah. to suppress inflammation. And there was evidence for that before, actually. So this kind of made sense. But, but yet another one that could be useful, because if, if this can decrease hospitalisation and death, just like an antiviral, that'd be yet another drug to use. And it's yeah. extremely cheap. They're widely used, you know, so that's, that could be a very important study. Yeah. According to this, uh, I, I only read the summary, but it seems to um, stop the cytokine storm yeah, that's, that's often right. responsible. Yeah. That's what, it, however it works. Anyways, it's interesting. That question from our listener there about is there anything that'll stop this pandemic? Do you remember we were talking about Boris Johnson going up to Scotland to that uh, factory there and they were working on a vaccine 
that would handle all the variants because uh, it was looking yeah. at a different way. Is there any news on that vaccine at all? That, that's kind of a quiet. Yeah, that's Valneva is the name of the company. Yeah, so Valneva, I think they've applied yeah. for approval. Yeah, I think I think it's going through the works at the moment. One thing I read was there could be production issues or something that might be slowing it down, you know. So, and again, that just shows you, Pat, that could have happened with the other vaccines. All kinds of glitches can happen, you see. So that, that seems to be slower than we would have thought. But I suspect it will come because the data looks very good on that one. Because that was the kind of thing we were talking about before, before the pandemic, the prospect of a universal flu vaccine yep. that wouldn't, would do it all. It didn't matter how flu changed, the vaccine would do all the flus. And this yeah. was the, the prospect with Valneva too. So That's right, yeah. There's we shall about see. 40 there's about 40 vaccines still in development, but amazingly, you know. So they're still working away on the vaccines in the background and we may get an even better one. They're the ones we have at the moment are still very powerful, especially with the third shot, remember. So that's the good part. But you never know, those other ones will be will be coming down the track, I predict. All right. So, and the message again, if you're offered a booster, take it with both hands. Take it. Well, one arm will do. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Luke, thank you very much for joining us. Luke O'Neill, Professor of Biochemistry at Trinity College in Dublin, joining us today from Republic of Work in Cork. Music